morning, everybody. And we're going to be continuing our series on the Invisible War. Appreciate the worship team and uh, leading us this morning. And great to have you here at either our 8, 9, 15, or 11 o'clock service. I'm going to be reading in a moment from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 16, uh, as we do return to the series on the Invisible War. This morning, as we return to that subject, we're really talking about a war that is going on, that has been initiated by Satan and demonic forces against God. But because they can't directly do a lot against God, they target those who are most precious to God, his children, his family. And this particular passage is the most prominent passage of Scripture about this invisible war that is going on. And I want to return to it, and I want to read these verses quickly this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 16. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So that last one, the shield of faith that we're going to be considering this morning, but let's pray together. God, we come to you this morning in a day where there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of conflict. It is a day in which we feel the chaos of life, and for many there are uh, the sense of being in, in, the, in the center of a field of battle. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as we reflect on what it means that we have been given a shield of faith against the fiery arrows of the wicked one. Lord, teach us, lead us, encourage us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In these verses, we've been reminded of a few things as we look back in this series. We've been reminded that there are spiritual powers that are involved in this invisible war. It's said in this passage, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. The invisible war explains the astonishing horrendous, horrific evil in the world. It's not just flesh and blood. It's just not human stuff. It's an empowering supernatural element that is introduced to human experience that brings about the overwhelming evil we see in our world. There are supernatural spiritual powers that are involved in this conflict. There's a spiritual organization involved Paul says it here that there are spiritual forces of evil. The idea is that there is an organized chain of command that is involved, ultimately functioning under the will of the one that is described as the evil one in the New Testament by Jesus. There's a spiritual strategy involved in this war. Where are the targets of what he says in verse 12 of the schemes of the devil? 
There is a real strategy involved that is built on the fact that the devil knows people. And more ominously, that the devil knows you. He knows your triggers. He knows how to uh, direct and scheme his plans. There is a spiritual strategy that is involved. But we have also seen in this passage that God has armed his children for the battle. That he has given each piece of the armor to speak to specific schemes that the devil uses against us. And as we look at this visual of the, of the Roman soldier in his, in his armor, we're reminded of these first three pieces of the armor that we've already talked about. The belt of truth, which was the leather belt that went around the, the soldier's waist and basically held all the armor in place. It held the breastplate. The, the, the dagger uh, hung from it. The other pieces of the armor kept in, in, in structure. It was foundational to every other piece. Truth is the foundation for our spiritual defense. There will be lies that will be constantly presented to us in spiritual attack. There will be lies about God. There'll be lies about us. There'll be lies about our situation. And we need the belt of truth. We need to depend on foundationally things that are true about God, about us, about our situations. He's told us also we've been given the breastplate of righteousness, which actually was the heart protector. Started on the shoulders, went down, and it was this, this protective uh, covering for the attacks that came to the most vital organs, to the emotional center of life, if you will, our hearts. And the breastplate that is comprised of righteousness protects the emotional center of our lives. Because one of the preeminent methodologies of Satan, as we spent two Sundays reflecting on, is to accuse and condemn. He operates in the world of shame. Now, there are times when we just screw up, right? We screw up in life, and, and we feel guilty about it, and it's appropriate guilt. It causes us to repent, to see, well, my behavior was wrong. I did something bad. It's unacceptable to God. I need to confess it. Go on, and everything's fine. But there's a difference between guilt and shame, and we've all felt the difference. Guilt is the sense that I did something bad. I've done something unacceptable. Shame is, the, is the, the sense that I am that. That I am unacceptable in myself. Now, that's one of the most important characteristics in human experience because it affects every one of our lives. We are struggling with the, the verdict of acceptability that we want to have. Sin has caused us to have this sense that I've got to measure up, got to measure up. And we're all striving to do it in a thousand different ways. But we have been given the righteousness, the acceptance that is found in Christ, that we have a verdict that says, I don't need to live in shame. I am, I am acceptable. I, I have been found the verdict of, 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 I have met the standard. And Paul says we need this to protect our heart because the devil will come in and constantly try to say, you're dirt. You're unworthy. You're an object of shame. And so we're given the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness to, to defend the emotional center of our life. Third, he says that we are given the, 
the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. These are our sandals, our footgear. And basically, this is saying that we have a peace that God has given to us that results from a peace that we have with God. That we now are able to operate when all the turbulence of life and the attacks of life comes. That there is a peace that we can internally have that enables us to be ready. But if we're, if we're struggling, if we're discontent, if we're, if we're out of sync in our, in our own souls, we are not ready to face the struggles, the turmoil, the anguish of life. But he says we're, we're, we're fitted that what gives us footing in these attacks of Satan is, is we're at peace with God. That we can enjoy the peace of God as a result. Today we come to a fourth piece of the armor. It's called the shield of faith. It is something we need to take up, he says, in all circumstances because there are flaming arrows coming at us all the time. If you've ever seen the movie Gladiator um, with Russell Crowe, there's a scene early on in the movie. It's actually a historic. It's from a historic battle or series of battles when the Romans were attacking and each eventually conquered the Germanic tribes in Europe. They were a, a very vicious, uh, unconquered people group, but the Romans eventually conquered them. But in this particular battle, there's a, there's a, a powerful scene because what happens is that in, this, in the battle, Flaming arrows feature very prominently in the battle. And if you remember the scene, or if you've ever seen it, it's, it's pretty gory, but, but the, the, the scene is one where they're firing this, this whole avalanche of arrows. And first of all, what they do is they, they put a pitch on the end of the arrows, and then they light them, and then all the archers fire at once. And what, what happens is an interesting thing. It, it strikes terror in the enemy, and it, 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 it lands, and, and it's an interesting moment because in the scene, the general of the Roman army turns to his, his aide, and he, and he says, I want, you know, basically release the arrows, and he makes this statement. He says, unleash hell. That's how he describes it. And so it's, it's an apt picture of what he's saying here, that, that hell is sending the fiery arrows at us, and the shield of faith is given to defend us. So let's, let's talk about this quickly this morning. What are these, uh, these flaming arrows of Satan? Well, a description of them, as I mentioned, that the flaming arrows are, are arrows that are, are dipped in pitch. And the interesting thing, though, is when you dip it in pitch and you get it up on the bow and pull back the quiver, you find that the arrow weighed almost twice what it usually did, and, and sometimes more than twice. And so, and now it was, it was front-weighted, it, it, was, it was imbalanced, it was a lousy arrow to shoot, because you, you didn't know where it was going for the most part. You had very little accuracy with it. it. It was not effective in killing people, because you weren't sure where it was going to actually end up. So why did they do this? Why, why put the pitch on it, put the flame? I mean, wouldn't it be the better thing just, you know, pull up BB back, pick out your target? Well, the purpose of the flaming arrows was not primarily to, to, to kill somebody. It was to cause terror. What would happen is the arrows would come and the pitch would, 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 it would hit equipment and catch on fire. It would cause confusion. It would, it would cause uh, people to be on fire. What would happen is, as the arrow struck the pitch would tend to, to, to fly off and, and you'd have these, 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 these little mounds of uh, blobs of pitch that were now lit and they're flying around. It was a mess. It was disastrous and it was fearful. 
Because you, you've got this flame that's flying all around you. The purpose of it was to spread fear and panic among the enemy. This is the primary thing that God is talking about in this part of the spiritual armor. He says this is what the devil does, and many of you have experienced that. In the New Testament, fire is associated with trials and persecution and suffering. It is when the devil comes with a, with a torrent of troubles and a fearsome attack. It can feel like chaos. It can feel like life is out of control. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says it this way, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful, and the word painful is literally the word fiery, trial. You are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. There's an interesting thing with fiery trials in the, in the Scriptures. It's, it both, they have two different origins. Some of the fiery trials are talked about as coming from Satan. Sometimes the fire of these experiences is talked about as something that God brings. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this, You may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, though refined by fire, may be proved genuine. One of the questions that we have in the midst of hard seasons is, is this from God or is this from Satan? And because in the same circumstance... There can be multiple elements that are going on. Well, God's purpose with the fire is always the same. It is to strengthen you in the battle, to deepen your resolve and your trust. Satan's purpose with the fire is to get you to run away from the battle, to get you to stop fighting, to despair. The flaming arrows of Satan are not just intended to stab us and cause us pain, put us to death. They are designed to terrify, to overwhelm, to confuse, to discourage. And by so doing, they bring great damage to our spiritual lives. When the, when the fires of the devil's attack come, Typically, there are a host of sins that can be brought about in our lives if we, if we yield and do not apply the shield of temptation. Fear and worry and envy and anger and bitterness are just some of the things that come in the midst of the, of the torrent of confusion and chaos that come when these, these, these fiery and fire-inducing, chaos-inducing arrows come. In Matthew chapter 8, 26, a story is told of Jesus on the, uh, he's actually asleep in the bottom of the boat, and as he's asleep in the bottom of the boat, uh, the disciples are up top, and they're facing a storm like they've never faced before, and it's, it's tough. And as they're down in, in, in the boat, and they are trying to handle this thing, they're scared to death. And Jesus finally is awakened, and he comes up, and he says this, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He contrasts two things. He says, you could have faith, but you have so little faith that you're filled with fear. This is what the fiery arrows do. They cause us to be filled with fear. They cause us to be overwhelmed. Fear is one of the results of, of, of the attacks of Satan with the fiery arrows. And here they had the potential of not give way to fear. They had the source of faith in the bottom of their boat. 
But they still were overwhelmed by the fiery storm that came. Their faith was too weak to shield them from fear and terror. They believed the lie that God could not or would not take care of them, though He actually slept in the stern of their boat. Fear is one thing that storms, that the fiery storms can bring about. Another is anger. We are in the midst now of a national maelstrom of fever pitch anger. I was watching just in the last day a news clip I saw on one of the news broadcasts online, and it was down in Florida, and it was a town where the town council just unanimously passed that everybody needs to start wearing face masks, and it was apparently a public gathering, and there were four different women, totally unassociated with each other, apparently, that they had, and this clip was probably only about two and a half minutes long, but the vitriol of these women was, was astonishing. I mean, one was talking about, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to be a bunch of vigilantes and we're going we're gonna to do citizen arrest of you guys for daring to do this. Another was, was, was horribly uh, condemning their, their academic credential. I mean, just it went on. All four of them, it was shown as a national broadcast because it's so astonishing. People were angry. There's so much anger. There's so much fermented rage that is out there. I had a letter come, an email come from uh, a lady recently, and she said to me, I'm not an angry person, but I'm watching the news, and I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at so much going on in our country, and I feel angry. And she said, she said Pastor Mark, how do you know if it's righteous anger or sinful anger. And I responded simply, it wasn't a long response, but I just, I, these to me is one, one difference. Righteous anger is when we feel a sense that uh, something is wrong, but usually we're compelled to do something. Maybe it is to take it to God and, and to, to pray about it and to give it to Him. Sinful anger tends to be something that festers. It's something that leads to other sins. It's not usually resolved. It just begins to consume us. It's why I think Paul says earlier in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4, he says, be angry. It's okay to be angry at times. There's a righteous anger. He says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. He's saying you can have a righteous anger, but it can easily morph into sinful anger. If not given over to God, part of our wielding the shield of faith is giving things over to God. And you say, well, I've tried, I can't do that. I mean, I'm just watching this stuff and and I'm just getting madder and madder about about the injustice or I'm I'm madder and madder about the responses of people or, or I'm madder and madder about this. Well, then stop watching. The scriptures say to us in 1 Peter, it says this, we serve in the strength we're given. And if you're not giving, being given the strength to respond gently and humbly with a quiet spirit with all you're watching, then stop watching. Because God is not giving you the grace and, and the world will be okay if you're not up on everything that's going on. We're in a day where I think there are fiery arrows. The devil, is, he's, he's sending them into the camp of our lives and stirring us up and getting us all uptight and angry. That's what he does. 
The shield of faith is given to help us in just such seasons. All right, I've got to move fast. The shield of faith. The extent of the shield's protection is, is amazing. Here's this guy. He's, he's there crouched um, with the, the shield of faith in front of him. And you see the size of it. This shield, it, the term that is used for the shield here is actually the word door. It is actually referring to a two and a half foot wide, little over four foot high shield. Often they were a little concave, you know, they, they, they were a little bit um, uh, bent, circular, and, and you, you basically had that thing, they had an arm, and you could get inside of it. It was primarily designed, not when you were dueling people with a sword, but when arrows were being shot at you. One of the primary formations that the Roman legion used when they were in battle is called the, the tortoise formation. And it actually was a formation where the soldiers would line up and, and some of them would put the shields in front, some of them would put the shields on top, and some would hold their shields to the side. I mean, it looks just like a tortoise, right? It, it looks like this guy, th these guys, I mean, trying to, I mean, imagine how frustrating it would be to shoot your arrows at those guys. And those things were either metallic, usually were metallic. If they were thick leather, what they would do, they would douse them with water before they went in. So if they're shooting the fiery arrows at you, they're just hitting this thing, either bouncing off, or if they stick in, the flame is extinguished. This was the picture that we're given when, when we start hearing about putting on the shield like the Roman soldiers did. It's a shield that God says is a shield of faith. So what does he mean? Well, in the Bible, God constantly calls himself our shield. In Psalm 144, verse 2, the psalmist says, he, he is my shield in whom I take refuge. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 3, he says, But you are a shield around me. O Lord, you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. You're a shield on every side. That's a beautiful statement in verse 3 because in verse 6, he says this in Psalm 3, I'll not fear the ten thousands who draw up against me on every side. Why? Because God's shield has him covered on every side. The idea is, just like the Roman tortoise would, would gather together in formation, God's shield covers us on every side. And he says, your shield is your faith in this God. Your shield is your trust that he will protect you. That nothing will come to your life that he has not allowed in it because he is shielding you, not just in the front so you don't dare turn around. No, he's shielding you on every side. The essence of the shield's protection is then faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 describes faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That it's putting our, our, our money where our mouth is with faith. It is trusting in God. It is believing that God is at work, that God will protect us in the midst of this fiery, fearful attack. It is faith that God is God, that he is big, and that is God is not allowing things that are beyond what he will give us grace to endure. The arrows are designed to make chaos and fear. That everything's out of control. Things are only going to get worse and worse. There is no hope. But placing our faith in the shield is entrusting yourself to God's protection. Trusting God's protective care of your life. 
So I want to close with this. How do we do that? I want to give six quick suggestions. Number one, the employment of God's shield comes by choosing to keep trusting. Paul commends the Thessalonian church who faced a lot of hard things, and he says, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Here in Ephesians 6.16, he says, in all circumstances, employ the shield of faith against the fiery arrows of the devil. There will be stuff probably today that are going to feel like attacks in your life. There will certainly be seasons when you're going to just feel like life is absolutely in the chaos of a whole, of a whole field of battle where the fiery arrows are coming. In those moments, he says, put your hand Slide your hand into that leather strap in the back of the shield and hold your ground. Realize that you are given a shield that surrounds you, that covers you on top, that that oversees your protection. That in the midst of those seasons, we choose to trust that God is too big to make mistakes and I actually said that wrong. God is too big. (laughs) I've never done that before. Anyway, you can trust God. He'll protect you and take care of you. This is actually my, my whole purpose. This was to see if you're still listening. All right, secondly, we choose to keep trusting. Secondly, we listen to God's voice, His word above all other voices. In Romans 10, 17, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. That these fiery arrows cause chaos. They're loud. They're frightening. They're dangerous. When you feel under attack and you feel life is not safe, you wanna, you, you're finding your spirit tending towards fear or anger. He says, you've got to hear the right voice. You've got to hear the right message. You've got to hear the Scriptures. Which leads to the third thing. Claim God's promises Hebrews 11, verse 11, talks about Abraham and says, By faith Abraham considered God faithful, who had made the promise. God is sovereignly working at all times in your life. That what is happening in your life right now is exactly what you would pray for if you knew everything that God does. That He is not wasting experiences and He does intend for good, even that which the enemy intends for evil. You've often heard me say, or others say, that the most oft-repeated command in the Bible is don't be afraid, which is true, over 300 times. But you may not know that affixed to that command, there is a promise that is reiterated far more than any other as a motivation of why we should not be afraid. Here's what he says, do not be afraid because I am with you. His promise is His presence, His protective care. Fourth, commit your cares to God. 1 Peter 5, humble yourself under God's mighty hand. The picture is, let God take the cares. He says, and we do that, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God by casting your cares on Him. We intentionally cast our cares. Number five, line up with fellow soldiers. You know, the, the visual of the Roman tortoise is the picture of cooperation. 
It's, it's of others being involved. And this is certainly true of the community of faith. That we find strength in joining together in community with one another. I think the greatest harm that has been in this COVID-19 is just the hard part of trying to do community without community. And the, the value of doing life with others. We need to line up with other soldiers. And last, to actively love others. Galatians 5, 6 says, The only thing that counts is faith that expresses itself through love. My wife, years ago, I remember when we were in a, a very difficult season, and she shared with me a verse. We were just looking to the Lord. Lord, what do, you, what do we need to hear? And she shared with me 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, love never fails. And she said, maybe the Lord is just saying to us, you don't know what else to do. You don't know how to resolve things. Choose love, because love never fails. I think that is part of employing the shield. And we recognize that as we trust in God, we also are saying, Lord, I will choose love. I will choose not to defend my name. I will choose not to defend myself. I will choose not to, 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 to look out for myself. I will choose love as a part of my expression of trust in this season of fearful attack. It's a loud, chaotic day, right? It is. It's a confusing time. It's a fearsome time for many. There are many fiery arrows that are being sent at many of you that are listening to my own voice. Embrace the shield. Hold on. Defend yourself with the shield. Put your faith in God. Rely on Him. It is the antidote, he says, to these fiery trials that are meant to, to frighten you, discourage you, overwhelm you, make you feel like life is out of control. He says, employ the shield of faith. Lord, we look to you this morning. All of us that have done life and journey with you for any amount of time have had seasons that just, we have felt the fiery attacks. For those this morning that are particularly feeling that, God, how I pray that you would enable them to not turn to fear and to anger and to despair, but to faith to employ the shield of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go in peace to love and serve and enjoy the Lord.